This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Good morning. Uh, My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey, and uh, we're so excited that you are here with us today. We want to say thank you for being here on this cold morning. Um, As as we kind of get started this morning, I want to turn your attention uh, to your program for just a second. Inside, you're going to see this half sheet of paper uh, that says, Live Big, Dream Bigger. And uh, this is something that we have been doing this month. Many of you have been filling these out. I want to reiterate that it is a different question each week. And so this week's question is about multiplication. And, and what we're doing is we're just spending some time dreaming together. Uh, dreaming together about the future of our church. And so if Journey is your church home, I want to encourage you to take a moment and to jot some ideas down that maybe some things that has been stirring in your heart. And then uh, we're kind of collecting those and we're collecting them and then we're going to spend some time uh, dreaming uh, in the first of the year. But we're spending some time just collecting information right now. So uh, if you would take a moment uh, sometime today or uh, maybe maybe later this week and you want to send it in via email or just bring it next week, I just want to encourage you to do that. Um, We'll collect those at the end of our time together. Also, if uh, you would reach into the seat back in front of you and find a Connect card, whether you are new or you have been around many times before, it's our desire to have one of these from every family here. Uh, There is so much information that we can uh, gain from this, Uh, not just information about you, but uh, prayer requests you can uh, share with us commitments that you've made, decisions that you've made that you can uh, let us know about, other pieces of information you want us to have. So please take that, uh, fill it out this morning, and then you can drop it in the offering bags as they go by. There's also some baskets uh, if you miss those as you exit uh, today. So with that, let me pray for us, and then we're just going to jump right in. (coughs) Dear God, <clears throat> dear God, we ask that you are with us this morning, um, that you just open our hearts and our uh, minds today to what you would have to share with us. God, we know that you have a message for every person that has walked into this place. We've come into this place with all kinds of different weeks, with challenges and blessings and all kinds of different things that have happened to us, God. And we've come here today to hear from you. But God, that starts with having our heart in the right place. So we just ask that in this moment, God, that you move our heart to a place where we feel like we can learn, a place where we can be receptive to whatever you have to say to us this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Well, uh, welcome to week number three of our home series 
And uh, this is kind of a, a, a title that's fitting for this time of year. It's going to be Thanksgiving next week. It's going to be Christmas before we know it. And so our attention turns to home. Our attention, it turns to family. I don't know what kind of picture you have when those words get uh, uh, said. When I think of home, when I think of family, I I just imagine uh, everyone gathered around a big table, some big meal, uh, some stories get shared. Maybe they've been shared before, but we all laugh and have a good time together. I don't know what picture you have of home, of family. I hope it's something nice. I hope it involves pie or dessert of some kind, something you can enjoy together. But here's one of the challenges, right? Is that the mental pictures that we, that we put in our heads, they're great. But the mental pictures in reality never quite match up, do they? never quite uh, works out just the way we imagine it going to. Imagine that it's going to. That's mostly because families are made up of people. And people are messy. And so this month in this home series, what we're doing is we're taking uh, several weeks here and we're talking about the relationships in our families, talking about how to treat one another. Because while family is important to us, while family brings us joy and happiness, it's also sometimes the biggest stressor, one of the biggest pain points in our lives. And what we want to come back to each week in this series is this idea that God has something to say about our families. God has something to say about how we treat one another, how we're to care for one another. This month, throughout the series, we've basically been in two chapters of the Bible, Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, and we're going to kind of continue that this week and next. Week one started out with talking about uh, love, how we're to love each other, but specifically, if you remember as we were kind of at the end of chapter 4 and the very beginning of chapter 5, we talked about how we are to love people with our words. The Bible has some incredible things to say about our words. It talks about how our words have the power to bring life, to build somebody up, to, to create new things. And the power to destroy, to tear things down, to mess up relationships. And so in week one, we learned how we are to, uh, Jesus uh, it tells us to use our words to build up, to bring life, especially to those who are closest to us, our families. In week number two, we were in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 20, and we talked about 
the hope God brings to our families. The hope God brings to our families, specifically that God can transform our families. That's what was in these verses. And Brian zoomed in on Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. Then he kind of beautifully described for us how everything that gets illuminated becomes light. And the implication there is that God's divine plan is that his transformation not only comes into your life, in your family, but that it becomes uh, so, uh, uh, such a bright light, so transformative that other people see it and are transformed as well. They experience God through your family. This week, we're in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 37. And one of the things that I want to pull out for you in these verses is this idea of self-sacrifice. This idea of submission. Those in marriages, those with kids, they know how important this idea is to make the family work. And it's something that Paul draws out for us in these verses. This morning, as maybe you're uh, trying to find that, uh, those verses, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 30, it's not 37, it's 33, I'm sorry. There isn't a 37. I know that because I kept trying to make it, I kept trying to search that earlier because I had written that down wrong and nothing came up. Anyway, um, as you're kind of finding maybe that in your app or you're turning to that in your Bible this morning, uh, I'm going to be reading from uh, the message paraphrase like I did in the first week because there's just some great language here. So again, this is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 33. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leaderships, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness That's how a husband ought to love 
his wife. They'd really be doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. Nobody abuses his own body, does he, Paul says? No, he feeds, he pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we're part of his body. And this, was, uh, this is why a man leaves father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all, says Paul. What is clearest to me is the way that Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. apologize. I am fighting a major sinus something. I've read that, those verses uh, many times at a wedding, and undoubtedly this happens when uh, I get done with the wedding. Some guy with a kind of a crooked smile on his face, he kind of drags his wife up to me after the service, and she's just shaking her head, don't do this. He says, hey, can you read that part again that it says, wives, submit to your husbands? I I don't think that she heard that. I never quite know how to respond in those moments. Usually just kind of shake my head. Because it's not a punchline to a joke. It's not about kind of inflating your ego. It's not the point of the passage. Verse 21 uh, that we read today, the start of our section, it says, be courteous and reverent to one another. Other translations uh, describe that as submit to one another. And if we really get into the details of the passage, it's the husband here that is expected to change his behavior. Passages like these belong to something called household codes. And we don't have these just in Scripture. There are many household codes uh, from this time period that are written by philosophers and teachers. We still have them today. And they all pretty much say the same thing. The son, the daughter, the wife, the slave is to submit to the authority. And while Paul, he repeats some of this, he says some of the same phrases, the same teachings. What's different between Paul and these other philosophers is that Paul places the responsibility on the husband. To care and love for the family as Jesus loved the church. In other words, to always put them first. To always put his wife, his kids before himself, before his wants, his desires. 
That's just unheard of in this period. Nobody talked that way. As I was studying the passage this week, one author said it like this. The point of the headship analogy is the responsibility husbands have to give themselves to their wives as Christ gave himself for the church. They must be givers, not takers. I love that part. Husbands are to give up self-centeredness in any privilege of being head in order to promote the well-being of their family. It goes on to say, the way Christian marriages are to function then is therefore clear. Both partners live first of all into and for the Lord. The real head of the marriage is always Christ. And both partners then are to live in mutual submission to each other. To seek to promote each other within the purposes of Christ. And to live out the oneness of their relationship. In other words, going back to verse 21, where Paul starts, submit to one another. Fits what Paul says in other places, like Galatians 3.28, where he says, there's neither Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, you are all one in Christ Jesus. All of this to say is if we were uh, somehow put into a time machine and we learned the Greek language and we showed up at Ephesus, when this letter would have been written, uh, would have been read aloud to the church, nobody would have batted an eye at verse 22. They already lived in this society, in this world where women couldn't own property. They didn't have a number of the rights that uh, we so often think of as basic now. But people would have been in shock at verse 21. Submit to one another. They would have immediately noticed the difference between Paul's household codes and the ones they had grown up hearing. Because Paul uh, raises the bar so high for the husband, nobody put any responsibility on the husband before. Paul says that the husband is to put his wife, his family, before himself. With some of that explained this morning. I want to focus on this idea of submission. Because we are, after all, in this home series, this, uh, when we're trying to figure out how we um, uh, interact with one another in our homes and what God has to say about that. We're talking about how we navigate the sometimes difficult relationships we have. And this idea of submission is key. It's one that comes up again and again in Scripture. So what is it? First thing that we need to know about submission 
is for Paul, for the Bible, for us as followers of Jesus. Jesus is the example of submission. He laid his life down for us. He didn't have to do that. We couldn't have forced him to do it if we wanted to. The only explanation, in fact, that we get in Scripture about why Jesus submitted this way was because he loved us. And that's an important point in and of itself. In Paul's world, in our world today, submission so often is about power. Jesus says, no, it's not about power. This is about love. He turns it all around. And get this. Because Jesus is the example of submission. Submission then is a requirement for all believers. Submission, though, doesn't mean slavery. It doesn't mean you become a doormat. It means you embody some Christ-like behaviors. I have three for you this morning. First, you humble yourself. You start with the right attitude. You come into your uh, marriage, your relationship, you wake up in the morning and you humble yourself. Because that's where God wants you to start in your interactions. That's the right attitude God says to have. The second thing you do is you love your family, you love your spouse by actively encouraging them. In other words, that's something that you've got to think about. You've got to get out of your head and your desires and all the things that are on your list. And you have to think about how you are going to love and encourage your spouse. And finally, you show them respect by putting your needs aside and putting theirs first. Paul in Colossians chapter 3 says this so perfectly. I just want to read it for you this morning. And as I read it, what I want to encourage you to do is I want you just to hear it the way I heard it when I read it for the first time this week as I was studying. And I just had this realization, this is how God wants my relationships to be. These are the characteristics that God wants my relationships just to drip with. Listen to these words from Paul. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Put these things on, compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Those words that describe your relationships... Those things you actively think about kind of putting into practice in your life, in your relationship with your spouse, with your kids. 
Verse 13 goes on and says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, don't miss this one. Put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let me just ask you this morning. If I'm right in the picture that Paul is drawing in Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, is that God is the head and the husband and the wife are below God and they're both submissive and they're both seeking God. And as they seek him, they grow closer to him and to each other and they become this picture of unity that the world longs to see. If that's the picture that Paul is drawing for us, if I'm right about that, then there is this key attribute, this key attribute that we so often don't like. It's this word, submit. But how is Submission working in your relationship. And remember, it's probably a better ask in a more direct way for us today. By looking at some of those characteristics, those Christ-like characteristics that are involved in submission. Namely, do you have the right attitude? Are you humble? How would your spouse answer that question for you? Or are you showing love by actively encouraging one another? Can you name the, the last nice thing you said or did for your spouse that you kind of thought about and said, you know what, I, I think this would really help and, and I really believe this and so I'm going to say this to her, to him, I'm going to do this. Do you do that often enough? Is it just a once every once in a while? Is it just a, on an anniversary or Valentine's Day? Or is it kind of this uh, natural part of your relationship? It's this active thing that you are seeking and searching out daily and weekly. Finally, do you respect your spouse by putting their needs their desires above your own. Can you think about how you've done that this week? Can you name some things? Those are some really good questions to just wrestle with. Let me close this morning with this story. A couple of professors were teaching a course on marriage counseling, and they brought in this uh, kind of panel 
panel of experts, but they weren't the normal panel. They hadn't written any papers. They, they didn't have any doctorates. They had just been married a long time. Elvin and Luis married 72 years. Ken and Mabel, 68. Elton and Dottie, 60. And 200 uh, students were kind of crammed into this lecture hall. 200 students who thought they pretty much had this figured out. And the day began with one question. Did you know that marriage could last this long? The students, they were kind of in awe. They didn't know quite what to do with these people. Finally, one student broke the silence. He said, you know, if you add up all the years that you've been married, it's like over 200 years. The room chuckled. But then they got quiet with a follow-up question. What has kept you together all that time? Elvin was the first to speak up. He said, I guess it's an abiding determination to do so. Then slowly, one by one, each of the panelists started nodding their head. Yeah, that's it. In other words, they committed to do it, and they did the hard work. Every day they made it happen. They had lots of days it would have been easier to to give up, but they didn't. Students were a little confused. It's got to be more complicated than that. They were expecting some some answer that was uh, bigger. They were expecting to hear about how they made such a good choice 72 years ago, how they were so lucky to find him or her. What they heard was from a gentleman who had been married longer than they had been say that a good marriage isn't something that you find. It's something that you make. Some of the hardest work in marriage is submitting. There are days it goes against everything in us. We get all caught up in our worlds and our demands and what's happening at work and what we've been doing. We start keeping score. Who did the dishes? Who watched the kids last night? And in those moments, the last thing that we want to do, the last thing we want to do is humble ourselves and put our spouse before us. But according to Ephesians chapter 5, that's exactly what God calls us to. That's the hard work God calls us to do. My prayer today, 
for this time is it is simply a moment to say to yourself again. Maybe you said it yesterday. Maybe it's been years since you've said it. I'm going to commit. I'm going to commit to do the hard work of making my marriage work. As Daniel prepares to play a last song for us, I want to encourage you to take just a moment and as we kind of think about what to do with this today. If you open up your program, one of the things in your program is what's called a car ride question. Something new we've been doing for this series, and it's this little index card with one question on it. And the question this week is, what is one way I can show love and respect this week to somebody important to me? We take that challenge. We take that challenge to find one more way to love and respect somebody important to you, a spouse, a family member. The idea of the uh, car ride question is that you would put it on the dash of your car and you'd leave it there. So you maybe had the conversation with the spouse, with whoever you needed to, maybe until you just talked about it with God. Will you spend some time today thinking, praying, what's one more thing I can do this week to love and respect my spouse, someone in my life? Let's pray about that. God, you give us an incredible example of what it means to put others first. And Paul takes that picture of you in the church and he places it right over marriage, God. And he says, this is how I want you to treat each other. I want you to love each other like this. Like Jesus loves the church. God, help us to do that. God, it's so easy for today to be another day, for this week to be another week, and we're just kind of surviving, moving from uh, place to place, from appointment to appointment, God. But make this a special time for some people. A special time where they say, you know what? I haven't been giving enough attention to my spouse, to my family. A time where some people say, you know, it's been hard, it's been difficult. And I know there's some things God wants to do in my heart, in my life, and I want to commit right now to making that a priority. God, would you just honor those requests? Would you just begin to work in hearts, in lives, in a way that only you can?
pray that for every person, for every relationship in this room. In your name we pray.